0: well good afternoon or morning wherever you are listening ladies and gentlemen welcome back to another episode of Dirt Bags, the podcast about everything off-road so uh today it's just going to be me and danny curran having a little chat via the magic of the internet and uh a little mm. bit of video camera as well here we're uh we're moving forward in the world of technology but uh look we're just in a few different locations i'm uh I'm at work, DC's at home, and uh, we just thought, I haven't spoken about race cars for a little while, so let's get together and talk about it. What's going on, Danny Curran?
1: Oh, listen, I'm living the dream, mate, having the best time of my life, you know, just down in the Y-Town Massive as I like to hang out, but you know, here to talk all things dirt sports, you know, talk about some new cars, some events that are happening soon, and I'm pumped, mate. I hope you're as pumped as I am.
0: Yeah, I'm very, very excited. I have a bit of a mundane voice and uh, and a face for podcasting. They say I'm not sure what this video stuff is all about, but you are right, DC. There are some awesome new cars coming into the country at this point in time. A couple of trophy trucks, a couple of, or a new buggy as well. So uh, we'll uh, we'll sit down. And we'll have a bit of a chat. Which one do you reckon we talk about first?
1: Oh, listen, we'd be mad not to start with the trophy trucks, uh, particularly the one that's in the air right now, the G6. As you'd hey. say, it really is. it. It's on the flight. It almost leads yeah. to its own story. But, yeah, like mate. That, uh, what was that song? Like a G6? Definitely, mate. Now, the big key to that is that obviously we're talking about Paul Wheel, which is PWR's new G6 Geyser trophy truck. And that's going to be like, you know, a big hitter, Josh. Paul's been oh, really stepping yeah. up the game. He's been in an older 6100-style Geyser truck for a long time. And now to go to the G6, I mean, it's lower, it's sleeker, it's got more technological advanced suspension in it. Like the guys at Geyser are really pushing the limits with these G6s. And, you know, this is the same style of thing. Obviously they had a bigger G6, but this is the one that Ken Block had. And you see how just frighteningly fast they go over the big whoops and that sort of stuff, you know, on the big Fox shocks. And um, Paul Wheels really stepped it up with this one. I mean, He's gone the Dugan's motor combo, which, I mean, we know how fast Dugan's motors are. He's gone the Alvin six-speed. Now, that's an interesting one, Josh. I wanted to talk to you about it. There's a bit of a thought, obviously, nowadays, I know your opinion, Josh, because we talk about this stuff a lot. You wouldn't buy a trophy truck now without a manual gearbox. There's so many fantastic. I mean, obviously, these are... If you're listening along at home, let's get really down to the basics. When we talk about these manual gearboxes, we are talking exactly what you think. They'll be a sequential gearbox, but they are a manual, but they run a torque converter. Now, uh, Josh, obviously, that's running off a power steering style pump that's running off your motor. So it gives converter line pressure. And, you know, as you rev the motor up, the pressure goes up. Get drive to the wheels, but essentially they are a manual gearbox. They've got dog engagements and all the stuff that you'd expect out of a manual, but with a converter. Again, you really wouldn't be caught dead building a trophy truck without one of these Hortons, or you know, there's all sorts of of sequential gearboxes now. And obviously, Albans mate, the Australians out of you know down south, and uh, they're a big player now. I mean, ever since Robbie Gordon went to one in the in the '77. We really haven't
0: looked back, have we? No, and, and um, switched to the uh, Alvins in the 77 for Parker 425 and just blitzed them on debut. And uh, from then on, I think it pretty much changed the game. Like you said, and I guess it's just simple mathematics and, and simple numbers. You know, most automatic transmissions are three gears and you talk about like uh, the Alvens are fives. Sixes some of the Elvens. Mason Maddox make a five speed now as well so Mason motorsports making their own manual style gearbox uh mm-hmm. it is it's slightly different from a manual gearbox as well but um but but still the same theory so I think the the simple fact behind it is it just it gives you more options for gear ratios rather than having to use your underdrive so there's less of a gap between you know, if you've got a gearbox that'll allow you to go from zero to 200 ks an hour and you've only got three gears well, obviously your motor's going to drop out of its its rev range uh, a little bit, and then it's got to you've got to climb through. Whereas, I remember when Greg Gartner first put that albums in, um, in in the second truck that he built. Yeah, yeah, with that full full pipe and the X pipe and the and the full tail pipes, man. And I remember having a chat to, um, pardon me, a, a few people that had, had seen it testing and and a few of the videos and. It just was almost like it was a two stroke. Like it, it just it was always up in its rev range. It was it was so good. But but I think, yeah, look look at the people that are changing over. You know, a lot of traditional trophy truck teams in America uh, are doing it as well. You know, uh, Concrete Motorsport, Harley Lentner, they've changed over to a, a Mesa Matic as well and, and having good success there. So yeah, I think that's yeah, that, that's a critical part of the build. And I think that's a really smart play by um by Paul Wheel there to to go down that path of the the Albans gearbox in it. Uh interestingly, a six speed though. I, I wasn't sure. I suppose once again that the math works the, the same way. And and maybe like we were talking about um in a previous pod, the, the trucks have a bit more drama pushing their their panel work through the trucks, uh through the air. Mm. My apologies. So yeah, not, not a bad idea. I guess Toby runs a, a six speed. And um, uh, OBR, I know they have a a five speed or probably a couple, but um, five speeds and six speed. So they they have changed right. between the between the boxes. Yeah. So yes, very oh, smart by four that. wheel. Yeah. Yep. So very smart by by four wheel. I think going down that that Albin's path in that G6. But a couple of the photos on Instagram that guys has shared and that that Paul has put up there, it's a beautiful beautiful looking truck. But yeah, those big fox shocks.
1: When you see it naked, Josh, with no panels on it, it's interesting because initially you don't think it's drastically different, but then you see it and it's very squat in the cab. You sit very low in it, and that's all those weight things that they've got going on. It's got those big J-arms. It has plenty of suspension travel. They say that the G6 is a game changer with the two-wheel drive trucks, and that's going to be interesting. I mean, we can see some new technology trucks that are coming out now, and there's no question, I mean, it's very difficult. I mean, they were fast back in the day, but you look at them now as they're going through the whoops and the big rough stuff like the Fox Proving Grounds at Mint, and they are honestly night and day from what we had 10 years ago, aren't they? Uh,
0: as in the the geyser, like where, where geysers stood in the, I guess you'd say the power rankings of, of Trophy Truck. Yeah, I mean, they and they had a successful, a super successful platform. Like why, I guess the old statement, if it is, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And and who were operating off that, I mean, it was probably only five or six years ago. You looked at any entry list or sorry, any finishing list. And, and most of the top 10 trucks were a Geyser truck. You know, when Andy McMillan first rolled out that full size Geyser, um, you know, it was, it was a heck of a rig. That's for sure. But yeah, yeah, I, I do agree. I think the, it's cool to see that Geyser you know, while being super successful aren't just resting on their laurels to not change what they've built and have produced the G6. So super excited to see one in the flesh.
1: Yeah, sorry. Probably what I more so meant, Josh, with that, but you're all right with all of those points. But what I was actually saying is like, you look at Rob McCathrin's truck, right? And it is still a winner. He is still won outright. But if you look at it through the really big rough stuff, it looks like he's working much harder than the new trucks is that a fair statement
0: yeah yeah sorry i yeah i did go off on a bit of a tangent there but i do i do agree i think those that
1: and that's just
0: technology you know new ideas hey we put a bit of weight here we you know we 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 put a bit of weight back a bit and, and we get that nose up and and we get it at honking through the the rough stuff so but yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> tell, tell you what rob mac you look at some of those videos from uh the mint in his truck he, the old dog he's still got it he's gonna it's be He's going to be uh, America's version of Jeff Pickering, I reckon. 80 years old, hobbling around and still just smoking young fellas for a bit of fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: But, yeah, but it's interesting. Yeah, he... oh, you go, Dan.
1: I was just saying because the other thing that's uh, a huge leap forward and now lots of the older trucks have been upgraded, but, you know, the likes of Kings and Fox and there is many brands, but those, those are the two primary ones. On Paul Wheel's truck, we've gone with the, the Fox suspension on that one. And it's uh, tuned by SDG. Now, the interesting part about that is SDG has a lot of time out in Australia. And, you know, that's going to be a big advantage. Paul Wheel, that truck, you know, on a plane, essentially now it was at LAX about three days ago or so. And, uh, you know, as we record the podcast, but, you know, that plane's on its way over to Think, And that truck's already going to be at, you know, peak performance. These guys, they've got that set up. It's not a new truck like you're building in your shed where you've got to start again. Talk about, this is a bit of a tangent, Josh, but this is what we do at Dirtbags, isn't it? Talking, you brought up Greg Gartner. What about the year he turned up with the truck that he'd built himself? It was the the second truck that we're talking about. Uh, the one after he won Think First, the, the first trophy truck to do so, first yes. tin top. Yep. But then after he upgraded to the second truck and he turned up, and I believe it was the boys from SDG as well as Desert Speed Labs that were there, Josh, when we were there testing and he ran it through those whoops so fast, and I mean so fast, the old mate said, get out of the way. SDG had never seen anything like it. And then he goes, hey, mate, those 3.5 shocks, because, again, we're talking about the progression of shock absorbers and everything else that goes with it, those 3.5s couldn't keep up. He said, you need a set of these new Fox 4-0s. He said. Where are they? i got my car yeah, bolt on, him me. on
0: Yeah, bolt them on the truck now. Do you, have you got a set in the truck? Like, let's get it on here and get it set up for Fink because as uh, Greg Greg Gartner, I think he's he's a bit like Ricky Bobby. He just wants to go fast.
1: I just want to go fast. He is the man. Yeah.
0: Yep. But, but no, so it's going be interesting. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's right. Um, Paul Wheels been over there. He's just recently raced the Mint 400. So I'm going to assume that he's been over there, done a bit of testing as well with the SDG boys. Um, And I mean, why not? Why not? Like Mm -hmm. we were talking about uh, Toby Price getting his motor sent back to Dugan's. I mean, mean, why, why not? I mean, they're, they're proven race winners. The SDG boys. Um, They just uh, navied this weekend or a a couple of weekends ago at the San Felipe 250, old uh, Duncan. Yep, so Jason Duncan had a great run there with Luke McMillan. So I'd say I think you're 100% right, DC. I think that car is going to roll out of the plane, not off the trailer. It's going to roll out of the plane, and it's going to be fast straight out of the box.
1: Yeah, it's all proven parts with a proven competitor. Now, an interesting side note of that, Josh, is Paul Wheel obviously has a lot of experience racing in many forms of motorsport. But how big a difference is it coming out of that confidence when you come fresh from Mint? Mint is so rough, so big that the roughness, now I don't want to say that it's not rough at Fink, but again, there's levels to this game. I feel like that might be a huge advantage for Paul coming fresh off that. I bet you he had a learning curve that was very steep in how hard you can hit things in that G6 geyser. So that's going to be interesting coming fresh off that, ready for Fink. He's got the seat time. He's got a lot of uh, experience. I think it's going to be good, mate. It's going to be one to watch out for, PWR.
0: Oh, fair call, Dad. Fair call. I think there's a lot of things to, to look at. at think, but yeah, awesome to see a G6 finally make its way into the country. Uh, there's been um, you know, a lot of excitement around them before they before they've made their way here. So looking forward to seeing Paul Wheels rig here in the country. So just a quick recap: what Dugans, Albans,
1: Big Fox shocks, G6, the biggest ones. Give me the big yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah, going to be yeah. a good truck. Heck, yeah. So moving on from that, Josh, because we'll keep the trophy truck theme alive, because as well as that G6, we've got some new trophy trucks in the form of Mason Motorsport ones. We did talk about these a little bit, but, you know, the real key here that's going to be interesting is the difference between all-wheel drive, Brett Smoothie with the all-wheel drive truck, full-size truck. How does that go? Then versus um, Bo Robinson, he's getting the two-wheel drive truck, and I believe it is at a 6100 size. So both of those trucks are meant to be here, again, for the Fink Desert race. So it's going to be interesting because these guys, you know, it's new trucks. Are they up to speed with the new trucks? Is that a learning curve? We've seen in America where brand-new trucks, you know, the likes of uh, Jesse Jones and that, they bought brand-new trucks out and won. Andy McMillan's done it time and time again.
0: Well, I was just going to say Andy McMillan when he switched into Mason for the first time and and really sort of put Mason on the track. Was that Parker 425 as well,
1: I believe? Yeah. Well, listen, Andy McMillan's done it time and time again. Remember when he bought the TSCO, um, he was running the first model. They were actually allowing him to use that truck, and he was unbeatable. But he was unbeatable in the geyser. Uh, Andy McMillan's afraid. That's all we can say.
0: Yeah, yeah, coffee, but definitely put uh, Mason Motorsport on the on the map, and they've definitely been on a on a sharp rise. So these will be the first two Masons in the country.
1: Wow, that's an interesting one because
0: New I'm Masons, scratching my yes. head.
1: New Mason, there is an yes. old Mason floating around in Kalgoorlie,
0: Raglan Drilling.
1: That's right. So they had an older Mason back when. Oh, so for anyone listening at home. Mason's history is actually in the 7200 class where they used to run V6 truck motors in an earlier style. It was like a a small mini truck race class and they built them out of their shed. And now they are building the absolute pinnacle of technology for the likes of Andy McMillan. That's crazy, Josh. Cause again, we were talking, what are we, you know, 09 20, uh, uh, yeah. 2010. We we're talking about these Masons are good, but they were definitely, uh, I don't know. I don't want to bag them, Josh, but they were yeah, a no. rougher quality. Yeah. But now yeah, we're talking million dollars, absolute perfection. The tigging's perfect. The gift. Hey, mate. Some of these masons have air conditioning in them.
0: Yeah. Well, that's just what I was. I was about to say. If you ever on uh, on YouTube, Fishjistics. Shout out to the the boys over in America. There, Fishjistics. There's a there is an awesome YouTube clip that is essentially a, a full walk around um, of Andy McMillan's. Four wheel drive, Mason. Yeah, like you said, air conditioning. Some of the things this car has on it is just unbelievable. And and they talk about the price, and and I imagine it's probably pretty similar. But they were talking, yeah, seven hundred and fifty thousand US dollars for a for yep. a trophy truck. But I mean, it it the best of the best. And and like you said, their 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 workmanship is is top notch now. So Neil Mason done an amazing job over there of of just you know starting off small and then you know growing your brand, growing your skills, um, you know, finding the right driver combination and and taking it to essentially the the the, the ultimate elite level.
1: Mm. Well, Josh, all of these guys come from a racing driving background too. You know, Rick Geyser was a competitive trophy truck driver back in the day. I think it's important to recognise that a lot of these guys that come from that high-performance background are also building great cars because they know what makes a great race car. They've been in the seat. They understand it. So I think that's a bit of key too, Josh, is that these guys have that experience behind them. And, you know, you're mentioning about how impressive these Masons are, and they've got to be, because the Hoosman that Bryce Menzies used to have, it's just gone to cold pots. And, you know, for essentially Bryce Menzies, the, the number seven, to have made that switch out of the two cars to just go to the one Mason and focus on that indicates just because, I mean, Bryce Menzies
0: has the best of the best gear, doesn't he? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when when they, and almost a bit of a, not not a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Not self-loathing, but a bit of a, a slap to his own face. I guess that Hoosman was something that um, Bryce was very closely worked with developing as well. So, I mean, he's had mm. to, almost like, probably not admit is the right word, but, you know, he's almost sort of had to admit, man, like, Mason are doing it a lot better than what we were able to do. So let's, let's go down that path. Cause some, some cool things in those Masons, um, Mm. you know, the, the
1: portal front hubs. but does that come back to numbers? Like if you're churning yes. over these all-wheel drive trucks, you've got that experience, you've got that shock development, you've got that testing, you know, you've got these gearboxes now that are doing, you know, that they've honestly probably done thousands upon thousands of development kilometers now. And that's interesting because that's the stuff that you can't get in a one-off hand-built truck. You know, going Absolute. back to this Robbie Gordon all-wheel drive, like Robbie Gordon builds some of the most amazing gear known to man, obviously, But his R and D is just his R and D, and you know, whereas Andy McMillan, Bryce Menzies, all these guys, you know, are all getting this development out of this conglomerate of all-wheel drive trucks. And I think that that can't be bought. Well, it can be bought. You buy a Mason.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Well, you buy a Mason. Exactly right. Mm. But yeah, I think I think another thing is, is you've hit the nail on the head there. There's now believe 14 or 15 of these mason trucks in existence like you list off some of the people like all the mcmillans now race one i think jesse yep. jones has got another one on the way um justin lofton has made the switch i believe That's Vistolas, whether tarvo is going to be racing yep. one very shortly the have one um hey look uh smoothie brett smoothie's going to have one there's there, there's a few um yeah, just a rogue one. Whatever happened to the the original one, like Seraphis's original Mason? Is it still yeah. four drive? Is it still yeah. floating around somewhere? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but, I wonder, but you are right. That, but... that,
1: that might be Lofton's actually because he ah, bought yes. that second hand. So yep. yep. But you're Definitely. right. There's a a ton of cars out now, and that makes a huge difference. Going back to you're talking about Geysers before. That's what they had. There was 50 yes. Geyser trucks. That R&D, you just can't get anywhere else. They've all got the same uprights. They've all got the parts. They've all got the dip. You know, these guys, when they go, that part breaks, now you, all the 50 trucks get the upgrades, don't they?
0: Yeah, and it it just obviously, yeah, there's no doubt that I'm sure if Bryce had stuck with it for a long time, he could have got that Hoosman super competitive. But, um, yeah, exactly like you said, that R&D is fantastic. Those Masons are are a heck of a truck, and it's going to be – Awesome to to see him to see him in Australia. So a, a two-wheel drive 6100 is is um the OBR. So Bo Robinson. I believe it's pretty close and being ready to get shipped over as we record this podcast. Um yep. it, it's running an albans, so not running the Mesa Matic. I, I don't know for a fact what gearbox smoothie's gonna be running. Be interesting to see whether it's an albans or whether he's gone down the the matic. But but uh what are some of the major differences between Without stating the obvious, like between a four-wheel drive mason and a, and a two-wheel drive mason, so I, I guess one right off the bat is um, the two-wheel drive masons are a, a normal um, motor gearbox differential configuration, whereas the four-wheel drives are actually mid-mounted for the motor.
1: That's right. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, for all the packaging so that you've got a centre drive out the front, they've essentially spun it all backwards. So you know how you've got an offset drop, on a patrol, and all the other sides, are, you know, vehicles around. I believe that that's the way that it's arranged, so that you can have a forward drive to the center, you know, drive uh, differential in the front.
0: Yep. So it also a center of weight, and then also good driveline angle. So it's it's something that they've they've really thought out. And then one of the cool things that Mason does as well is um, they do run. So it's a solid rear diff and a independent front end in their four wheel drives, and they to reduce drive shaft angle, they actually have machined and manufactured their own portal drive uprights for the front of the trophy truck.
1: That's amazing, isn't it? That? that sort of development. But again, we've seen more and more, like even like Tech and those sort of companies, like they've now got these CNC 5-axis lathes and you know uh, routers and all sorts of gear that has really changed the off-road game. We're now seeing billet control arms, billet uppers, lowers, spend like, it's amazing some of the stuff and it's work of art quality isn't it
0: yeah yeah it's well like you said it's professional but they are professionals i guess professionals what they do for sure but um yeah it it
1: is yeah but i guess what you're trying to get at it's almost like you'd seen it on spacex like it's that level of machine shop quality where it's not and, again, because, again, Jimco's in the 80s and 90s were professional. There's no question about that. They were building the best of the best at the time. Guysers were building the best of the best in 2000s. You know, that sort of thing is is a fact. But as levels of machining has come up, and I suppose that's that's just technology of the time. In the 80s, you couldn't even fathom a CNC, yeah. you know, five-axis, you know, things that we've got now, could you?
0: No, absolutely not. And and that's yeah, that's the point I was probably trying to make is is as the rest of the world has progressed and and as motorsports with very large financial backing has has progressed, you know, like Penske race teams and stuff like that, yeah, off road racing has not been left behind. Like like if anything, no, no. off road racing is developing at like an exponentially quicker rate than This is just my opinion, but at an exponentially quicker rate than, say, like V8 supercars or NASCAR or anything like that. Like, I mean, NASCAR only just went to fuel injection. So, you know, whereas.
1: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. That's an interesting point. But is that to do with the fact that we are truly an unlimited class in off-road? We can continually design. If you think of something mid-season, you just pop it on. Whereas I suppose NASCAR and a lot of these, you know, supercars and that sort of thing, they are restricted in their chassis design, aren't they? Little tweaks, little tweaks, but until they go to the next gen of cars, we're sort of stuck, aren't we?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Fair point. Fair point. I I do like it. Yeah, that they, they are probably due to massive corporate sponsorship. The uh, the um, parity is probably something that they play a yep. lot more than, than V eights than uh than what trophy trucks or, or class one buggies do. Like no, no one really comes out and goes man these masons are unfair like i i'm only running a 2 wheel drive truck so whereas that's that's the name of the game in off road
1: hey josh no one wants parity look at the way they whinge about 6 liters
0: <laughs> if kent <laughs> sorry, battle tuned sorry. out shout out shout out to kent battle um did he is he sponsoring this podcast did he slip you 50 bucks to yeah. to slip that one in yeah. there yeah yeah, yeah. coby Nortrans Nor racing thanks for the uh, thanks for the sponsorship of this podcast <laughs> But yeah, well, yeah, yeah, you are, you are right. Parity is, well, it's an interesting point. It's probably something we could, could get a little off Touch. We'll just touch it quickly, but I guess, yeah, like the, you know, in Australia, we aren't really a truly unlimited. Um. Mm-hmm. And is that a bit outdated in this day and age? Like, well, I mean, right now we are talking about, there's a four wheel drive Mason truck coming in, uh, into Australia that, is somewhere around the $750,000 US price tag. And he we can't put any more than a, a six liter or a twin turbo V6 in it mm. for cost reasons.
1: Mm. No, uh, listen, it's an interesting one because I probably don't agree with the ruling. I'll, I'll prefix it with saying that. But it's interesting because I don't know if it's going to achieve what people want it to achieve. Because yep. my concept of it is that if we now open it up to unlimited, but let's say seven liters, which is fantastic. Oh, again, I can't stress this enough. I'm all for it. But if you're spending eighty five thousand dollars on a six liter, are you not going to spend eighty five thousand on a seven liter? So yeah, that goalposts are just going to move. So everyone's saying, "Oh, it'll be cheaper because we just buy a stock seven liter and throw it in." No one's going to put a stock seven liter in.
0: No, absolutely not. I mean, that's that's a hundred percent right. You're always going to it, like chase that—it's a bit like white line fever. You're always going to chase the next, the next little hit, the next little high. Like, I mean, mm. we could have—I I mean, I wouldn't change what we're doing anyhow. Like our little NASCAR motor that's got going into the Gymco, the 5.8 liter. Like we're not even at six liters; it's it's a 5.8 liter. But, but I love that's the way I I love motors, and and we could have bought it from the states and put it in just carby fed and, and that. But we spent the money and put the eight stack injection on it and everything like that, because we wanted to get as much performance as, as possible out of it. Yeah. You're hundred percent right. If, if you've got 75 grand to spend on a, uh, a six liter, you've got 75 grand to spend on a seven liter. So I, I guess that was my point of, of of why not. And like I said, I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm just, just opening up the conversation because I also do agree. I think it should be purely unlimited because I think that the cost saving reasons. Or, or I guess it's a two-way street. The cost-saving reason is not an argument to change the rule for or against. I don't think it's going to save any money in off-road racing, and I don't think people are going to spend any more money. They're just going to buy a different block.
1: Yeah, and that's interesting because probably the thought process is, so let's break it down a little bit, get the onion and open it up a little bit, Joshua. So out of interest, we know from a little bit of, you know, back and forth, like Shannon Rents actually had a Croix of V8, didn't he? So he was yeah, yeah. considering that option. So if a 7-litre or an 8-litre or V V8, an unlimited V8, say we still cap our turbo buggies at 3.5 with turbochargers, right? Because the argument is that, okay, they're faster, you know, in the buggies and the trophy trucks. Essentially can't keep up. Let's call a spade a spade. They haven't got that, you know, extra of to push. So they, if they open the cap up, are you telling me that the likes of Shannon Ranch isn't going to go, hold on? What I really need is an unlimited V8 in this car now. I'm going to put 480 cubes, you know, of a stroker Chev in it, like a Brodex block thing, and then all of a sudden we're going to be at 1,100 horsepower with one of these eight-stack motors. He's still going to have that advantage, isn't he? Like he's still going to be in the lighter car because I think this is what we've all got to understand in Australian conditions currently, the way it's not rough enough for a true unlimited truck class. Trucks shine when it gets silly rough. I mean, here's a prime example. Harley Letner has outrightly said to us the Alpha is as fast as the Herb's truck. It's just that the Herb's truck does it like Again, I hate this, you know, generalization of riding in a lounge chair, but his opinion is that the the Alpha just beat him up a lot more doing it. And yes. I mean, that guy has been on the top step of the podium in a Pro Buggy or a Class 1 unlimited car when people didn't think that was a possibility. It yes. can happen. The likes of Shannon can do it. There's no question there. And then once we get to this limit, because there's going to be a limit where you just can't do any more to it, you know, then it becomes about, and we always, or I come back to it, is this win factor. It's why, again, Josh, dirtbags number, you know, the just the pod, you know, let's just, I'm throwing things out there. That is why you see trophy trucks go into the pits, and then all of a sudden the front end's just, fall off these things magically they can honestly pick up 20 30 40 kilometers an hour without that wind drag now they look cool that's absolutely true but when do we get to the facts i'm sounding like a true buggy dog here josh but anyway when do we get to the facts that the reality is that in australian conditions if you want to win like toby would be faster in a pro buggy i said it i said it whoa I said it. whoa I said it. whoa Did you put if you put that so we can get dropped somewhere here you go boom i'm telling yep. you and it's not because i mean the trophy truck's cool it gets all the sponsors i understand that it's the cool thing Well,
0: it's it's relatable oh you like you see uh i don't know how many times i have to explain to people what my Gymco is like what a pro buggy is and you you show them a photo like oh cool it's like a cool little rc car and you're like well no it's Flippin' huge man. Like that's a that's a four inch shock. Racer. And that's a yeah, a mud racer, yeah, doing the the cabra mud drags, but that's a four inch shock. That's a 35 inch tire. Like it, it's 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 a big unit, man, and it and it, mm. it it's not a little well, toy. But, yeah, a, but two, a
1: Yeah Yeah, two point four meters wide and you know a hundred and twenty inch wheelbase when a patrol wagon is only at that hundred and sixteen, it's it's a big race car.
0: Yeah, but but I think like you said, when you were talking about the trucks get the sponsors, it's because they're relatable. Like people look at it. Yeah, like, you know, there's probably a couple of old mad dogs out there that are looking at Toby's, you know, trophy truck like he's Triton and going, Yeah, you know, I crossed the Simpson Desert in my old Triton like that. So when it's can't you, you can't frighten yeah. a Triton, mate. You, you can't, mate. Ask Mickey B. But um I think I think you're hundred percent spot on. Um it's that Relatability factor. It's, I mean, they look freaking cool. There's just something about that. Yeah, there's something about the body work with the wheels dropping away that gives it a, I... a, a unique look compared to. Yeah, yeah, a unique look compared to to pro buggies. But we wow, yes. are throwing the mad, throwing the mad chat out there, Denny Curran. You you've heard it here first. Toby Price would be quicker in a pro buggy.
1: <laughs> at me. Listen, I'd love to be proven wrong, Josh. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just think that. Josh Howell's outright pace on the smooth stuff or Shannon Reg or Jack Rhodes or you know Dave Fellows, like these guys, when they're running at that, again, 260 range on the dirt roads, that average time is just phenomenal. Now, again, where Toby's making that up is in the rough. Over top of those dudes, he is that fast. Again, we talk about this all the time, and I don't want to knock Bo because that guy is a hell man. The guy is on the boost. But when you see him and he's just checking up, Toby's not checking up. He never let the foot off the gas for how many? Six, seven Junes, Josh?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I mean you look at the the documentary that he put out this year. It's just how often that truck is in six gear, like flat out. It's Yep. It's so cool, yeah, yeah. But hey, look, then, then that's almost like sort of the the flip side to the un, unlimited argument is well, six liters are winning at you know at one of the longest, fastest, openest races that we have in Australia. Like a, a six liter truck is winning, so why do you need more horsepower? It may,
1: that's true. We we talk that's about true. doing a
0: think special. We we could probably do. We could probably get a few people on this podcast and and have a. Uh, probably a few cans as well, and have a very good debate about the uh, the unlimited class. Like I said, I don't I don't have a dog in the fight. I'd build the gymco exactly the same way as what we are now, but yeah, I like you said when we're, so, we're talking about unlimited. Oh yes, go.
1: Well, I was going to say. So, are you saying, hey guys, hit up the socials, get on yes. the podcast, Instagram, yep. slide yep. into those DMs, and if you want a good discussion about it, we'll love to have everyone on the pod. So.
0: Yeah, Give absolutely. Give us a call at up. at dirtbags underscore podcast. Hit us up. And look, even anyone listening to this, you know, like as fans of the sport, we anyone should have as not as much say, but you know, we have an like fans have an input into the sport as to as to what they'd like to see as well. So hit us up on the Instagram and, and let us know what you think they should be doing with the uh with the unlimited style class. But like you said, we're talking about chassis, shocks, motex, pdfs, mesomatics. Uh you know heck V8 supercars do not even have paddle shift and Toby's trophy truck has paddle shift um yeah. heck the jaws racing trophy truck that Jimco trophy truck had paddle shift 3 or 4 it years did. ago so it so did. like where do we draw the line of where we're going to save money in the sport because yeah it, it it you know like at the end of the day yeah. it's just it's a lot of fun and i mean i i don't grudge anyone like if 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 i had enough money to buy a four-wheel drive mason bet your bottom dollar i'd be raising a four-wheel drive mason
1: so josh that brings us to an interesting thing so maybe we go back to then for the grassroots chilled out just looking for that top 10 spot Maybe these motors are a great thing because then you can get to, say, a seven, so you know, 440-cube boat or something like that. That's a beast of a motor. You can get 700 out of it pretty easy with a decent, you know, eight-stack and some decent heads on it. You've got the cubes on your side, so it'll drive out of the corners. So for the guys not chasing that number one plate that are always going to go for that $85,000 motor, maybe that isn't, a, like, a huge advantage. For 20 yeah. grand with 440 cubes, you can build a hell of a small block Chevy, big yeah, crank, yeah. aluminium yep. heads, good induction. I mean, let's talk heat pumps, air in, air out, make some motor, put fuel yep. in it, it's going fast. boom. So maybe that is a good, like as you know, it's just an easy way to do it.
0: Yep, hundred percent for your grassroots.
1: Well, I was going to say truly unlimited. Are we talking five seven? truck LSs with turbos on the side or what? What what are we doing here? Because that, I mean, that's a cheap junkyard way to go very fast. 100%.
0: Oh, I do. I think at, at the truly grassroots form of off-road racing, I think opening it up to bigger motors would end up being, well, well, here you go. Now that I stopped and thought about it, would it be cheaper in the long run? Because now now that you've got that, you've gone from 450 horsepower from your your relatively stock 5.7 and you've just bunged a, sure. A stroke crank into it, and now all of a sudden you're making 650, 700. Is your gearbox going to keep up? What are your shocks True. going to do? Are you going to start True. bending diffs? You yeah. know, like it's, it, it, it always well, has it question, a knock on effect.
1: As you say it like that, the other issue is that it then becomes a bigger gap between the classes. We already have cars, you know, that are sort of limited to 110, 120 Ks an hour, and now you've got a trophy truck coming through the packet, St. George, Gunder, Windy. Whatever it is, where we do lap style races, and it's doing two hundred and forty kilometers an hour now. Mm. That's an interest. It's a big difference in speed, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And I know from Cam's point of view, or, or any of the governing body, it's always been about speed, hasn't it? That's their that's their go to. Whether you believe it or yeah. not, but that's what they're worried about. You know, even down to they're trying to rein the turbo buggies in. But, Josh, talking about Unlimiteds, I didn't want to get sidetracked, but that does lead me into another car that I wanted to talk about because I feel like this this truly could be a game changer in Australia, an all-wheel drive pro buggy. Dan Brown, you know, is starting to bring out this vehicle, Lumicraft, front diff, rear transact, like as in, you know, all independent. How big a game changer could that potentially be in Australia where, you know, it's still only pretty light relatively, you know, doesn't have those restrictions of the body panel, but all the four wheel drive traction. Is that a true game changer right there? Because is there any other? All not a 79, drive... Dan. Oh, uh, not a
0: 79, mate. We can't can call you, it a game. Can ch- we can't call it a game changer, but is it,
1: Listen, is it going to, is it going to run with the reason. bulls? It's definitely going to run with the bulls because Danny Brown knows how to run with the bulls. That's yep. not a question, but can it be, can it be a level in Australia where, if you don't have one, because, I mean, that's where they're yep. going over in America, isn't it? But what yep. if you end up with this pro buggy, this Illumicraft, and they change the goalposts that much that it's like, a, okay, well, we've got to have it now. Yep. You know, does yep. Shannon Wrench move to an Illumicraft out of a Jimco? Surely <laughs> not. I mean, he's been jer- but he hasn't. I mean, he's had other race cars, hasn't he? It's just that he's been with Jimco so long. And it's been the formula. You know, Jimco was his spec. Twin Turbo Nissan V6, Albans gearbox, Fox shocks. Fox shock. You yep. buy that buy that package, that's the that's the SR33 package and you're yep. uh, you're in your car as good as anyone else. And that's 100%. That's hey, a- we,
0: well, you talk about the SR33 package and why not? But one of the interesting things I noticed at St George, did you notice that uh, Swindlehurst was back on Fox shocks. So that vehicle went to Kings when it was with Kavisky, but it went back onto Foxes, not to start the uh, the age-old debate. Like, you know, we'll probably get flamed on for this in the uh, in the socials after this, talking about Foxes and Kings and not to start that debate. But interesting that uh, Swindlehurst bought the car and whether he got the shocks off um, off Kamisky and, and, and put them back on and, and just obviously felt that was the right way to go. Um whether that was a, a development thing or anything like that knowing that man the this car has one Australian championships one thing one you know pretty much everything that there is to yep. win in this in this configuration so is that what yeah I, I get what you're saying is that what danny Brown's new buggy is going to be well the the interesting question is 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 it going to come to Australia because I believe he's talking about leaving it and racing it in America for a little while but whether that's just mm-hmm. to do some some research and development because the the RPI boys, uh, RPI Racing, they've got a an all-wheel drive Illumicraft over there they're racing. Now, actually, I believe that's actually Danny Brown's original Illumicraft. So his Illumicraft four-wheel drive was just about finished and very close. And and then RPI came on the scene and wanted to buy one. And um, I believe Danny Brown sold it to them and, and sort of jumped onto the, the back of the queue to give RPI an option to make Baja last year.
1: And that probably makes a lot of sense, Joshua, because then you go down the path that you want those development kilometers. This is what we we're talking about before with the Masons and that sort of thing. You've now got these kilometers put on the all wheel drive system in the Illumicraft. They can fix it over in the States. Now, I believe the only reason that Danny Brown wasn't racing that over in the States is that that dirty, <laughs> the old COVID, yeah. the, you know, uh, spicy cost the spicy cough. So the moral of the story is that he would have been there, but it's obviously a great opportunity rather than just sitting it in a shed. You know, this car now has logged a ton of kilometres. He gets a brand new one with all that R&D, all the fixes, all the parts that, you know, are updated. I think it's a great way to go. I mean, obviously everyone wants to be the first first, but, you know, and that brings us to another question. So if it's going to race in the States for a while, Would you be smarter in Denny Brown? And Denny Brown's a very smart man. He has raced V8s and turbo cars. But when your turbo engine builder is in Australia and your car's going to stay in the States, do you put a Croyer, a Gibbs, a Dugans, put a V8 in it for a while and run that? Again, over there, they don't have the rules, so as in the restricted six-litre rules. So, you know, it's a great opportunity to go for a 440-cube Chev or Brodex or, or any of those type of things, isn't it, Josh?
0: If you're asking me personally, I'd put a V8 in it for now and race it in America that way. Like you said, you could copy the RPI formula, their engine builder and stuff like that, or, or not their engine builder, but something similar, and you know you're going to be in, in a pretty sweet spot. Um, mm. That's personally what I'd do. And then you know, he's probably got a couple of turbo V6s lying around. He might be able to to swap it back in. Or, or is he just playing the waiting game and thinking, if I do build a pretty healthy seven liter or or 7.5, 7.6, you know, 440 cube or something like that. By the time I'm ready to bring it to Australia, will the, will the rules have changed and and that's what I'll be able to run it with the V8 here in Australia and be, be uber competitive. But, but an interesting point because twin turbo V6, 900 horsepower, you know, you've got the ability to, to wind the boost up, wind the boost down and have a few different tunes and settings for, for different races, for different things you want to do. Um, Mm -hmm. It could also be very interesting. Change the go over and uh do the 79 series or change the game to the the off road racing in America,
1: yeah. That's right, yeah, absolutely right, especially on those fast graded road sections. That thing has got to be a weapon, so it's going to be interesting because you know, we see a lot again. It surprised us in Baja, didn't it, Josh? When we went over there, that there is a lot of sections that aren't these big crazy whoops that you see in the desert people videos and in the tuba you know, the YouTuber videos, there is a lot of graded roads. There is a lot of sections where those guys are really moving. And, you know, that all-wheel drive buggy might be a huge advantage over there for those sections. And then, you know, again, because we always talk about these average times and average speeds, at the moment, the trucks are ahead in the big stuff. The buggies are ahead on the road sections. What happens if that all-wheel drive takes us to a position where they're just leading the charge? Unlikely, I suppose, realistically, just due to the the demand and the the name of the drivers in those trophy trucks now. I mean, you've really got the best of the best that are now all stepped up into the premier. I mean, even Harley Letner is now up in the trophy truck category in the seventy and and slaying it. So yeah, yeah it's an interesting one. Yeah, and, and
0: I guess you you can't even just rule out the the benefit of that extra drive, pulling out of corners, yeah. you know, and and being able to to brake and turn, you know, a lot better. And and but particularly, you know, we're, we're racing on dirt. You know, you come out of a corner, you stand on the gas, you've got four wheels driving rather than two. I mean, the way that trucks and buggies are set up, they squat quite well and and do put a lot of power down to the ground. They are frighteningly frighteningly quick for two wheel drive cars on dirt. But to have those front wheel drive, yeah, it's going to be super. Yeah, it's a cat amongst well, the pigeons. It's something I probably, until you mentioned it before, it's not something I really thought about, but it's a four-wheel drive buggy coming to Australia. So, you know, mm-hmm. we, we spent a lot of time talking about the Masons and and um, Hayden Bentley has a, a four-wheel drive racer trophy truck here. It's just, yeah, but it's different that I, I think I've probably been so consumed thinking about four-wheel drive trucks in the last three or four months that, yeah, Daddy Brown has kind of slipped under the radar there with that. I'll tell you what, check out his social media, um, Danny Brown's social media. He just put up some photos recently of the carbon body on that mm. thing. Oh, sexy.
1: Yeah, get on his media too and tell him that he's got to get on the podcast. We'd love to have a chat to Danny Brown. He's an absolute legend and a funny man to boot, but he's pushing the game with what's going on at the moment.
0: Can do a backflip. Can do a backflip outside Gundawindi. Perfection. Mint. Mint. Yeah. But yeah, that's that. Uh, that's sh- some of,
1: yeah, go DC. Oh, I was just going to say, with all that motor talk and super fast four wheel drive things, that sort of leads us to another thing that I was going to talk to you about, Josh. Mate, the current state of four wheel drives in Australia. I don't know if, and I know it's probably all over the place. I mean, you see some wild ones in Dubai, and you know the the all the UAE and those sort of things. There's obviously cool stuff in America always, but. The game has been changed in Australia at the moment with the four-wheel drive scene. I mean, Central Queensland's always been a bit of a hub of fast cars, but it's everywhere now. Like, Josh, we were talking before about uh, jeffrey Charles. Yes. He's got yep, a the supercharged. The big fridge? The big fridge. GU yep. wagon shoots flames. It's a wild bit of gear. Got a Harrop, uh, what, H2 650 on the side of it? and Oh, well, on the top of it. On the top of it,
0: me. yeah, yeah. On the top, yeah,
1: top on of, of it, yeah, yeah. Forcing the, forcing the air in and yes. i mean the fact that that car can now be driven from western australia on tour and then yes. come do the do the drag races over in central queensland do all that sort of stuff run up to 5s run through the dunes i oh, sorry i mean not run through the dunes i mean just drive on the beach gently and then you know head back to western australia literally on tour that is an impressive package that was one day you know it really wasn't a common thing hey you had a a, a silly crazy supercharged nitrous GU, it was a race car. You didn't drive it across Australia. Whereas now, you know, technology with these motors has just come so far. I think the biggest development, Josh, is in these in these heads, these head development, the way that you can buy all these air research and AFRs, you know, all the stuff, and you just bolt these things on. And you know, numbers that we dreamed about. So in case you didn't know, as a as a dirt, you know, the podcast your host, we're dirty old valiant boys. So back in the 90s and 2000s we we're building v8 Valiants and you know getting in there with the die grinder and porting our own cast heads and that numbers that we saw on flow benches now a set of stock aluminium of heads destroys them and i i don't yeah. mean like it's close like you wasting <sighs> your time if you muck yeah. around with cast heads like we thought it had to be done now you just ring up a speed shop say hey mate send me those 2.02 190 heads get them on the way and and valve sizes for those playing along at home
0: uh i don't think that is actually a head number that dan has just quoted i think he's just made a number off off his head so that's not an
1: official (laughs) no no i'll just stare now (laughs) now, in inlet and exhaust valve sizing because again back in the day that was huge so sorry if we just went a little bit tech heavy on you but essentially what i'm saying now is you can buy so many high quality components Plus, the other thing, Josh, is these crazy engine swaps. You know, back in the day, you used to put an LS, but now what? You've got Barras, you've got Cummins, you've got Duramaxes, you've got, mate, the the world is your oyster with these things. They've got 4.8s in earlier GQs, you know, there's just so many conversions that you can do now to four-wheel drives, and everyone's doing all these little punks with all this money. I don't know where you got all your money from. (laughs) uh, I was broke as an
0: apprentice. I mean, super broke as an apprentice. Uh, Yeah. I don't know where their money comes from.
1: There's apprentices with a 79 series single cab and a barra motor going in it. How the heck do you afford that? I love it. You guys just, (laughs) mate, mortgage the house, build some cool cars. Because I tell you what, we love seeing it on Instagram. Again, tag us in. But, uh, mate, there's so much great stuff out there now. And it's so fast. And it's so impressive. Because then that leads us to some of these new events. Again, we were talking on the a little while ago about Land Cruiser Mount Park and how that shaped a lot of off-road races in Queensland. You know, it's, it's now no longer with us, but there's plenty of racing to be done in Australia and Queensland. But one of the cool things that's come up now is this, you know, what is it called? The Dobbo's King of the Strip.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a, an actual bitumen drag event but it is for four-wheel drives. So it's sponsored by uh, Dobinson Spring and Suspension, which is a company out of uh, Rockhampton in central Queensland. So it's an idea they came off with. Because I think, honestly, there was a lot of rubbish getting talked around fires, getting talked around cars, you know, a few cans on the beach at Five Rocks or uh, Farmer Beach or, or someplace like that. Probably a lot of smack getting talked on the internet. And the guys at Dobinson said, well, stuff it. Let's get on to, let's get on to Cam's. Let's get on to Ben-Arabi, Uh Sorry, not Cam's, Andra. Let's get on to Andra. Let's get on to Benarabee and let's run an event and let's actually run these yep. things down the quarter mile and let's, let's see what they do. Cause there was probably a few people that were surprised at how fast their car was. It's probably a few people that were surprised at how slow their car was as well. Mm. But, um, but that, but that's the yeah. game. Um, but yeah, a, a very, very cool event. So uh, yeah, Dovinson's um, spring and suspension. The uh, the yeah four wheel drive king of the strip, so that is fourth of June and um, approximately okay. six and a half thousand dollars in prize money up for grabs across the different categories. I think they keep it pretty simple. There's you know petrol standard, um, petrol modified, and diesel. So they they keep it pretty simple. They don't want to be racing fifteen different classes there. But yeah, it, it's a it's a it's a very very cool idea.
1: Mm. So obviously, Binaroo, if you listen along, that's in Central Queensland. It's sort of somewhere near Gladstone, and uh, you know, obviously, Google's your friend. Google Maps will get you everywhere. But it's worth a look. I mean, it is the weekend before Fink, so it's going to be tight for some people. But if you're cruising around in Brisbane and you're looking for something to do, what a weekend! Come on up to Gladstone and and check that place out. That's a bit south of us. We're we're a bit further north up here in Yipoo. But uh, what a great race, Josh! It's going to be interesting, and like you said, it'll be interesting to see some of these cars because. Back in the day, probably there was no specific builds for it. And even though there's no specific builds now, few of the guys have really stepped up the game, like Alan Cornick with the Turbo LS car.
0: Yep, yep. And also the Pig Motorsport boys, they've um, they have yep. done a good job there. You know, that uh, E85 Turbo, and I mean, it's a monster single Turbo on the side of that GQ Shorty panel van. Like, oh, it's cool, man. They've, they've panel van the... Um, the, the back of that that shorty, so they've they've done a great job it's, there. So,
1: it's definitely do spec that one.
0: Yeah, yeah, coffee. It's um definitely definitely a glow up from the original condition that he brought that car in. So a, a big shout out there. It, it's a it's a cool car, you know. And like you said, so then there's a couple of turbo four point eight GQ shorties. There's Duramax diesels. There's there's lots of different. There's probably a couple of hottie T D forty twos and the great part about well, King of the Strip is it's only four hundred meters, it's a quarter mile. So there's a fair chance. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna guarantee it, but there's a fair chance that your T D 42 is not gonna overheat doing a run down the strip. Boil. So might not boil it, might not get to the end the crank might not make it to the end as well, but it might yep. not boil.
1: Yep. Just break that broad main journal straight off like they all do. Sorry. But listen, the other thing, Josh, is that there is different classes. Like you were talking about diesels, like so there's Cummins, there's Duramaxes, you know. But isn't the fastest car there a little Suzuki hardtop Sierra with a rotor in it?
0: Yeah, 13B turbocharged rotary in it, and it's, uh, I believe it was doing mid mid 11s. I think it it just knocked off Jeffro. So Jeffro was doing 1180s, and the um the little Sierra just knocked him off. So.
1: Yeah, Mate, pretty can cool. Can you imagine holding onto a Suzuki Sierra, short wheel based Sierra, hard top? You wouldn't want a crosswind, but for an 11.50 drag strip time, that is nice.
0: No, 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 it doesn't sound like, well, look, it's a heck of a party. I don't know if it sounds like a, my idea of a good time, but I mean, that's, that you're not going to, well, I suppose you'll see it a few other places, but it's not, a, it's not a common sight. So yeah, make sure that you put that in your calendar so that's the 4th of June and um yeah it it's going to be cool like you said there's there's so many cool cars that are that are going to be there the event's only gone from from strength to strength and i heard a little rumor that that maybe if i get it right there's a there is a full Dubai spec it's called evil gq and essentially it's mm. a yep yeah, it 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 just recently competed in the um in the the drag week Uh, Or the drag weekend that Street Machine run here in um, in Australia, and um, Mm. was running some pretty impressive figures. But there's a little rumour it might be rocking up, so that that would be worth the price of admission alone.
1: Absolutely, I mean it was on the cover of Street Machine, wasn't it? Just this last episode. So you know that's how big mm, these four wheel drives and this racing scene's got. Very very cool. Got to be hard, Joshua. There's you know what are they two point two ton or something? You really got to move that weight compared to like a one point Three four ton, you know, early Holden or something like that. Extra tons not going to help you.
0: No, that's well, and and even that little Sierra, you know, it, it's smart thinking by by that guy fresh off the gate that uh, that he's running, you know, a lightweight motor and gearbox combination, and and in probably one of the lightest four wheel drives out there getting around. So,
1: yeah.
0: but like you said, yeah. a, a bit of a bit of a it, going to be an interesting weekend. We're hoping to make it down and and get there and have a bit of a look. It is the Is the weekend before or before Fink? So we'll might be a busy, busy little period for us. But yeah, we will hopefully get down because unfortunately we missed missed the last one. But but would love to get down and and check it
1: out. Mm, Absolutely. Now, interestingly, Josh, because this is something that literally just popped to my mind while we're chatting away. Love it. Where does yeah? Where does this lead? Because what's been the real big driver of this four wheel drive scene and the lifestyle and everything else? is the social media aspect of it isn't it like nowadays you can get on and you can see other people's builds that drives other people's builds the other thing is that you can see other areas that you've never seen I know myself when I'm going up north or down south or whatever I'm doing on tour and have a look because I I mean I'm an old boy now I like going away and you know going on a bit of a tour for a couple of weeks and you know we're up north in Christmas just chasing waterfalls just camping if I can sleep in a swag I love it but All that stuff now, when you're doing your research, you don't have to look up the old map or anything, do you? You get on Instagram, have a look around the area, see, you know, you you do the Google search. That's an interesting game changer, isn't it, Josh? And something that's definitely changing. Again, I'm talking for me, I'm an old boy, but it's changed in our generation the the way that social media has perceived forward driving. And I've got to be honest, Josh, as we talk about all subjects, that's good and bad. I mean, there's absolutely stuff People are putting on social media that probably shouldn't be on social media, you know, probably need to be a bit smarter, a bit about a bit of that sort of stuff. But then the flip side is that there's some amazing photos, there's some amazing cars, there's some amazing locations that when you're, uh, you know, stuck of a night or something along those lines or you're chilling out and having a cold drink, you know, you can get on and have a look through Instagram. You can have a look at Facebook, YouTube, you know, there's so much stuff now. That we're just flooded with this information about race cars. Like, you know, again, back in the day, you used to have to wait. Remember, there was a magazine called Dirt Sports. It used to come over from America. And, you know, it had your Jeep with coil coilovers on it. You were over yeah. and it had a trophy truck in it. We'd never seen yeah. a trophy truck before. Man, I'm really Peterson's. showing my age. Peterson's, that's exactly yeah. right. And, yeah, You know, that's you right. just couldn't wait for that one month that book would come out and you'd devour it, like start to finish multiple times. And nowadays, and again, I'm not saying that it's bad. It's good. Is that we've just we're we're flooded with information about specific builds. You know, we can look up information. We can look at stuff on the other side of the world that no one knows about. It it really is a an amazing time for dirt sports. I feel that it's really pushed the envelope. It's made people a lot more. Aware. Even what we're trying to do. Listen, guys, this Dirt Bags podcast. We just want to have a good time and chat and tell stories and sort of capture that because. I know as part of our off-road experience, we've heard stories from the guys that we want to interview. Again, we can't wait to get some guys on and, and, you know, chat about the old times. And girls. You know, and girls. Sorry, sorry. Definitely want to talk to the girls as well. But what I guess I'm saying is now, you know, um, Bob Stansfield is no longer with us, you know, and that's heartbreaking because that guy was beyond an off-road legend. And as we go on, I don't want to sound morbid on this podcast, but we're going to lose some Some of these guys that had that 70s, 80s, 90s racing history where they had, you know, bugs upside. I want to hear Ryan Taylor talk about how he reversed across the line and the full story behind it. So, again, trying to get very interactive here, Joshua. You know, obviously make sure if you're on YouTube. Hit the like. Hit the subscribe. Comment. We want to get into these stories. If you've got a great story to tell, how about you hit us up on the socials? We've got the emails. Sorry, mate, it sounds like I'm trying to wrap this podcast up, and I'm genuinely <laughs> not. I just, no, no. I just want to, you know, as an early start, what we yep. want to know is, you know, again, what you, the stories you guys want to hear, we want to cover all of off-road racing. So, again, yeah. I've gone into a bit of an odd, but it's only because it's an early podcast, and I'm hoping that you guys are enjoying. We're getting loving getting the feedback. We love what's going on, but we want you to guys to know that this is really, we want it to be your podcast too. We want to hear stories from, you know, four-wheel drivers. Off-road oh,
0: races, you know, motorbike riders. Yeah, yeah. I was almost going to say the people's podcast, but we might get sued by Hamish and Andy if we go yeah, down that no, path. No. So we're definitely yeah, yeah, bags. yeah, yeah. That's right. No, no, and that is true. Like you said, we don't want to just be like like we stated in the original podcast. Is our primarily background is is off-road racing, but we definitely want to cover all things dirt. But Absolutely. to to circle back to what you first talked about with social media, I think you're 100 right, Dan, and just. You know, there's so much information. Hey, Josh, you're yeah. correct. I am yeah, right. Yeah, you, yeah. The,
1: the, as soon as you learn that, the better.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way to kill the vibe, Dan. No. Um. Sorry, mate. <laughs> I've lost my train of thought. Yes, we we're talking about social media and the, um, the amount of information that these young fellas have at them and just to build and the inspiration to build cool stuff. You were talking about uh, Peterson's. And and those full drive mags that we used to get out of the states because to to get you know that Jeep stuff and that that early Toyota stuff and um mm. you set me up we were doing a train trip down to Brizzy to buy a set of thirty fives for the uh, for my Hilux at the time yeah. and the whole way down we just were reading those Peterson mags and 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 looking at them and um uh, what was the two, the ultimate adventure you know there was an ultimate adventure special that we're reading it was just so cool And we got down to ARB Southside and I'm like yeah, give me a set of them uh, BF crawlers you got in the window there. He goes, oh, do you want – they're 37s. I thought on the phone you said you want 35s, and I was just so inspired by what I'd seen. I was like, hell no, man, give me them 37s. So I I was easily swayed by looking at a magazine for a couple of days. I can understand why these young fellas these days are building off-the-wall cool four-wheel drives um, because of social media. And like you said, that's the – that is the good side of it. There's obviously, like you said, the bad side, a lot of stuff gets posted, you know, that probably shouldn't, but no, no hate because like you and I we probably did a lot of the similar stupid stuff. We just didn't have social mm. media. Like you you talk to anyone, you know, that's a little bit older. They say we did the same silly crap when we were 18. Mm. We just, we weren't able to, you know, put it out to the world the, the way these young people are, but they, they mm. don't know any different. So yeah no hate. like good on them they're having a good time and 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 it's awesome and and that's the good side of it i think is is there's that inspiration to build cool stuff and a lot of these young guys and girls are spending you know they're inspired by what they see on on facebook and instagram and stuff like that and they they get into it and they yeah i think it's why we're seeing so many well, well man five years ago a barra conversion was like a bit of an oddity now they're they're everywhere. Not yeah, and that's not hating on them again. I, you know, it's just it's awesome to see the the progression of the way that that things have been going. And I think I think social media plays a and uh, plays a big part of that.
1: Absolutely, Josh. Maybe even down to the fact that it it helps because now you know how to build it right. If you build a roll cage or a steam pipe manifold for your turbo, or what you know, you're not just blindly going. Oh, I just think a bit of steel goes here. You know, you can look at other people, true race car professionals doing designs and doing, you know, there's so much available now, even down to CAD and that online that, you know, you can probably build a car so much better than what we were doing back in the day where you're realistically going, oh, well, that fits and, you know, this fits and hopefully it's as good, you know, that's as good as it can be. Even down to, you know, the old hashtag weld porn, you know, you know if you're doing a bad weld these days. If it's on social media, you can't, you got to drop them dime bags. You can't do a dirty old stick weld. So you well, know, back in,
0: that's- back in our day, CAD was um, it, it wasn't AutoCAD. It was c- cardboard aided design. We used to cut bits of cardboard out and and use them to see if things would would fit. So CAD was definitely very different back in um, back when we were young fellas. But yeah, you, and and that's the thing too. Like if you want to learn something, like hey, I'm, I'm i I want to learn how to TIG weld. You can jump on YouTube. You can you can Google basics, and rather than having to read, like you can actually see someone show you. Hey, like. See the way it, it's splattering here, or, or the noise that it's making, and they can actually, you know, you can visually see it, and 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 have someone teach you. It's yeah, it's it's a, it's fantastic. a game changer. Yeah, it's not a seventy nine, Dan. It's it's not a seventy
1: nine. But I don't know why you keep bringing those things up. mate. Well, you keep saying I wanted, game changer. I wanted, no, I wanted to get me mate Mac Preston on. I I, I rate Mac Preston, and no wasted weekends oh, on the yeah. um, You know, no, he bought a Toyota Land Cruiser, mate, and sold the Range it's, it's gone. And he's got a Sandy Top dual cab seventy nine. So, I Mac, if you listen, I, I don't know what to do, mate.
0: Wait, but they definitely built some very cool stuff in that shed. And man, like, yes, they do w- w- with, with not a lot of stuff, like you said. Like, and not, uh, he, yeah, it's very cool. Hey, actually, super weird. Yeah, did he buy a Sandy Troop seventy nine that has? Does it have like blue, um, like? like a blue business up the side that he's like pulled the stickers off is this so this yes, is super weird. So, so i was down in the sunny coast on the weekend and i am um yeah i'm pretty confident that i actually pulled up next to that car i i didn't recognize who was in it so i don't know whether it was yeah but i'm pretty confident i pulled up to at that car at like a little iga shopping f- like center in Highfields, like on the sunshine coast so i don't know so where they're rough. from they're so, somewhere in queensland but it was only on his social that I seen he, he bought a new car, and then, like that was yesterday, and then yeah, it was on the weekend. I was down there, so weird. That's Might have had a little, might have had a little six degrees of separation there.
1: is wow, Brush with fame, but,
0: Josh. Well, for him, no. <laughs> <laughs> but does he uh, know who I am? You know, I wouldn't have a clue, and that's probably a good thing. But um, ah. Uh, yeah, like 100%. What they build in that shed, like some of those things, you know, with putting airbags into some of those low riders, um, yeah, it, it's very cool. Like they – They do lots they, of
1: cool stuff. And I love the K truck now that he's built it. Have you seen that?
0: Yes, yes. On the has yeah, old yeah.
1: Chev truck, and that's awesome, man. It looks so yeah. cool. So, yeah, very big tires on that thing too. So no doubt it'll be fascinating to see where he gets with that build because – their team is very talented, and they do a lot of very cool stuff in that shed life. And so there's one to follow as well, guys. If you're following along and you like the social media stuff, get on board with those guys.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I like it. Yeah, like you said, I, I I think a video I watched the other day they they actually couldn't fit the 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 truck in the shed, so they had to like park it halfway out. So it's only a tiny shed, and and yeah, it it's actually yeah, it, it's awesome to see guys doing stuff like that with. With very well, little, we,
1: we love that, don't we? So in case you don't know it, you haven't been on any of our stuff, I mean, we build race cars in a little two bay with a single hoist, don't we, Josh? Like, that's what we do. We be, rebuild our gearboxes and shocks and everything in-house, uh, not because we want to, but because we're poor, got no money, so we got to yes. go racing somewhere or another. So, you know, we've got a little small team and we build a lot of stuff in-house. Some of it might not be very go- good, but we're proud of it. And uh, yeah. we have a good time racing. That's
0: the key. Yeah, that is the key, Dan. That is the key. I think that's the that's the important part. Like you said, we 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 love what we get to do. Um, mm. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Well, DC, I reckon probably not a bad time to wrap it up. It's been I a like pleasure. It. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to uh to chat off road racing with you on a uh, a random school night. But it's it's getting. Mm. Getting, there's getting plenty time to, going to wrap on up. in the
1: off-road yeah yes. there's plenty going on in the off-road world and it's interesting josh and and i love talking about it again can't stress this enough i know i've said it but seeing as we're in the early stages we want to be interactive so if you've got something to talk about hit us up let us know yep. we'll have a chat heck if you want to come on the pod hit us up we love it
0: yep so a couple of ways to get in touch with us is um either our our personal social media, So at Josh Curran 41 and at Offroad Cartel, we also have a uh, Instagram for the podcast, which is at dirtbags underscore podcast. And that's dirtbags with a Z. Um, and then also we have a, a an email account as well, which is dirtbags podcast or one word at gmail.com. So um, yeah, hit us up. We We, we want to be interactive. We want to be, talking to the people we want to be talking about what you um what you guys want us to be talking about um anything anything that's off road whether it's you, you know of a good camping spot a good you know the Brisbane Four Wheel Drive show's coming up and you know there's going to be a game changer there you can uh you know we might be able to get some pics up and stuff like that as well on our um on the youtube and stuff like that so yeah yeah we want to be interactive we want to be around the people and we're looking forward to producing many many more episodes
1: We sure are.
0: So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for for getting all the way through. And uh, as we wrap it up, don't forget, if you're the last one there, it's the first shout.